good morning. Feels weird being here after being gone for camp meeting and then we were gone for camp and we're just wiped, but it's good to be in church this morning. Um, we have some celebrations this week uh, and we had one yesterday. It was Michelle and Wig's anniversary. So happy anniversary to you two. Miss Norma's birthday is on the 6th, and of course she's in Arizona, and so if you don't have her address over there, I'm sure she would love to get a card or um, text her, give her a call, um, just let her know that she's in our thoughts. And then it is Craig's birthday today, so happy birthday, Craig. Oh, they, they said you guys need to sing happy birthday. I was trying not to embarrass him. <laughs> You don't want me singing in this mic. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Craig. Happy birthday to you. And many more. <laughs> If we keep this up, people that have birthdays on Sundays are going to start skipping, I think. <laughs> um, so we have Wednesday night um, dinner um, at 6.30 for the kids. Logan and Kira are not here, um, I think, the next two Wednesdays. Um, so as far as teens go, um, I am always looking for help with these kids. So <laughs> if there's any teens that would like to come and help with the kids' class, help with dinner, I'd truly appreciate it. Um, but we will have class for the kids and dinner for the kids at 6.30, and then adult class starts at 6.45. Um, the ladies' ministry, uh, we've just been trying to kind of change it up a bit. And so Saturday, July 8th, we're going to meet again at Poor Me and Hazen at 9 a.m. And all ladies are welcome. We had such a good time last time. Um, just got some breakfast and coffee and fellowshiped. And so um, all ladies are welcome to that. And then next Sunday, we'll be having communion and potluck. Um, that's always a great Sunday. So make sure to come bring a dish and plan on staying for food and fellowship. And then July 16th, the Ministerial Association is hosting their annual community worship gathering. So all the churches in the community get together at Beulah High School, and um, Pastor Logan is going to be preaching. So we need to make sure to um, be there and support him for that, and um, those services are always really good. So there will be no service here July 16th, but at 1030 at Beulah High School is the community um, worship gathering. And then the July calendars are out in the floor. Make sure to grab one of those if you haven't done so. Um, we have some results from camp that they're asking that the churches read. Um, camp was awesome. The kids um, just, the, the theme was run, and these kids really ran after God um, this week. And so at camp, I know it's hard to read, we had 17 kids give their heart to the Lord, um, 17 saved, eight rededicated, 13 sanctified, five were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and one was called into ministry. So that's amazing. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your presence that's in this place, Father. I thank you for those that are here. God, what a wonderful name it is that we can gather together under the banner of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we can worship, that we can praise freely. And God, I pray that as your word goes forth, Holy Spirit, that you would take the word 
as it comes, Father, and you would help it to go deep into our hearts. That you would anoint my lips to preach this message, God. That you would uh, move everything out of the way that is not of you. Every thought, every word. God, may everything that is said bring glory and honor to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome on this 4th of July weekend. Uh, there's lots of people that are, are traveling, lots of people that are um, not here, so please keep all those people in your prayer. Uh, Sister Jessica, I don't get to call her that very often, but she did say we went to camp meeting and then camp, and so uh, there is no tired quite like camp tired, and so um, I've asked the Lord to help me not just completely lose my mind today, but um, we want to thank everybody for uh, covering different things and allowing us to, to go and do what we did. Um, camp was awesome. It's incredible. I love uh, youth camp, and so that's going to kind of tie a little bit into my story, but last Sunday night um, when Evangelist Terry Davis was here, I kind of exhorted the church a little bit, and the Holy Spirit brought something to me, and I've been kind of chewing on that uh, this whole week, and um, I talked about finding your why, and so that's the title of my sermon is Find Your Why. And I think that the question that we need to ask ourselves, especially now, is why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we live where we live? Uh, why do you pursue the things that you pursue? Why do your interests lie where they lie? Why do you have the job that you have? Why are you married to the person that you're married to? And the list goes on and on. And so today I'm going to share my why with you in hopes that it will help you understand your why and push in. And uh, my prayers is that as I explain mine, that it would deepen your pursuit and understanding of your own. Um, many of you know that I grew up in a Christian household. My, my father was a pastor. My mother was a worship leader. Um, I was in church literally every time that the doors were open. Uh, even if we were the only ones there, we were there. And it's uh, very weird to have your, your parents preach to you as your father because they know a lot of things about you that I think pastors shouldn't know. And I grew up in that home. I grew up, um, you know, watching my dad serve on various boards and things like that. So I, I very much so grew up in a Christian home, but I'm not who I am solely because of my parents. They played a big part in it. But, but my why does not exist in my parents. I met Jessica the year after I got saved. She instantly fell in love with me. And, and, and likewise, um, it was just love at first sight. It was beautiful. I was a lot thinner then. I had a tan, uh, had more hair less peach fuzz in my face, so I, I was actually, I mean, don't, don't judge her based on me now, but uh, met her, it, it, was, it was awesome, she's been a blessing to my life, um, given me Connor and been my helpmate, my confidant, uh, many times the voice of the Lord, even when I didn't want to quite hear, and I'd always be praying about something, and I'd think the Lord would be leading a certain way, and I'd go and say, Jessica, what do you think about this, and she'd say the exact same thing, and I'm like, <clears throat> but even she's not my wife. And I don't mean that in any, any negative sense whatsoever. You'll, you'll understand what I'm, what I'm getting at. But if she was my why, we probably wouldn't be in pastoral ministry, not because she doesn't want to be there, but because we would be pursuing each other and the best interests of each other and probably serving ourselves and not other people. And so um, she's not my why. And I love my children, all of them. I have no favorites unless you have some cash, and then I'll, I'll change that. Uh, but they're not my reason why. And, and again, I don't mean that in any negative sense, but no matter what they do or where they end up in life, um, they're not my reason why. My reason why has to be something more than, than all of that. Um, 
it's something that comes from a, a deep place, a, a very deep place in, in my life. And if, if my why was a, a, a source in and of myself or a relationship that I had on this earth, then it would be flexible and fluid and it would change. And, and the circumstances that, that may become against my why would, would, would push my why in a different direction. And so my why isn't from any of those things. And so I want to talk about um, getting into the, the source of my why. There's some scriptures that have always ministered to me concerning my salvation. And, and I, I want to be very clear, my, my salvation was not as dramatic as Paul's Damascus Road experience. I didn't see a bright light. I wasn't knocked off a horse. I'm allergic to horses, so that can't happen. Um, but I also want to be very clear that I was not seeking the Lord when I was saved. I had no intention of seeking the Lord. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew about salvation. I knew about the Lord. I had um, seen and heard things that I could not deny, but I was not seeking the Lord the night he saved me in a little chapel at Four Winds Ministry Center. Um, I can only describe to you, and it's a long story, and I'm, I'm going to keep it short, but that I found myself in a little chapel that I did not want to be in, around people I did not want to be around, with my shoes off, and Jessica knows I don't take my shoes off, uh, in an altar that I did not want to be in, and God drastically changed my life. He saved me that night. I was immediately freed from, from drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, drink tobacco. I mean, immediately, it just it was done. Uh, never had a, an urge again after that. Um, my countenance was changed so dramatically that the people I was in church with that I had spent the day with before did not recognize me the next day. And so I didn't have a, a Damascus Road experience like Paul did, but I feel like I had my own Damascus Road experience. And so these scriptures kind of tie into to that. Romans 5, 6 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And that was me. There was nothing godly about me. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was also me. Ezekiel 16, 6 says this, and I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood. I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. And that is God speaking to Israel. But I also feel like God walked by me that night, saw me struggling to live in my own blood and said, live. And because he said that, I lived. Uh, and that was what I feel like God has spoken over me. I feel like he called me to, to live against that struggle in my own blood, and, and it, it was a struggle. Jeremiah 17.9 says the following, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Romans 3.10-18 says the following, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That was me. I know what it's like to have an awareness of God, to, to, to be around people. I know what it's like to see his power and his strength, to, to hear about Christ, and yet uh, to run from him instead of coming to him to, to run. And I, I made 
multiple bargains with God. I remember one time I was in a situation I didn't want to be in, and I, I told him, if you'll get me out of this situation, I'll, I'll serve you, and I'll be faithful. And he got me out of the situation, and nothing changed in my heart. Um, and I did that multiple times. And so I know who I was before I came to Christ. I, I've never been far from that awareness. I've asked God to, to keep it close enough that I remember it, but not close enough that it overshadows me or overpowers me. I don't want to ever forget where God brought me from, but I want to know I don't live there. That's not where I am anymore. And so um, I was a person that if it benefited me, I was all for it. If it didn't benefit me, I, I wasn't interested. And, and the, the way that seemed right to me led me on a path that, that was headed straight towards death. That's all I can say. It seemed right. It seemed like the best thing for me. Uh, but I was, I was headed straight to my death and straight to hell. But God. There's a verse in Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. That was me. Made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this brings me to my why, but before I get to the good part of my why, I want you to hear the negative part of my why. And, and again, stick with me because it, it, it flows. So I'm going to speak about a couple negative things, and I'll, I'll do my best to keep it... Um, kid-friendly as well, but I was saved at Four Winds, and I immediately went to work at Four Winds. Uh, the very next day, I, I started going to work, and so one of the things that we did is we, we had youth camps, which I love being a part of, but we didn't start off having NCR youth camps for the region. We started off having Native American youth camps for, for Native American children from um, the, the different tribes in Montana. And the first one that we ever went to, and and Again, I remember, I, I was just saved like just a, a couple weeks before. I am on cloud nine. Nothing can come against me. Nothing can hurt me. And there was a little girl there that came with one of the workers, and, and um, she was a camper, but she was about seven or eight. Beautiful, uh, intelligent, had a great smile, a great personality. But there was just something off about her, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on it. And, and the more I was around her, the more unnerved I got. And so... Um, her adoptive mom came in and asked the, the staff if she could talk to us for a minute. And so we, we got with her and we met with her. And she said, I need you to understand something. She said, I'm not telling you this about uh, my daughter so that you can, you can judge her in any way or you can, can look down on her. But I need you to understand because of, of your contact with her is going to be different. You need to understand that. She's going to, uh, if she was around a male, she would want to be hanging on the mail, hugging the mail. I mean, just, it, it was crazy. And so I've got a very good understanding that it's so easy to know someone's off and so easy to assume. But once you know the story, it changes everything. And so, and this is not a story I wanted to hear, but from the time that this girl was, was little, and I mean a baby, her mother would sell her for meth. And so she would have unknown men come in, and they would grab her. Uh, she'd be sound asleep. They'd grab her. Uh, 
while her mom was, was getting high in the next room, and that was her life for the first six, seven years of her life. That's all she knew. And so that happened over and over and over, and there were even nights at camp where she would wake up kicking and screaming, um, feeling like somebody was grabbing her ankles, and, and nobody was. It was unnatural because it wasn't right. She didn't know how to have a relationship with a male that wasn't in that context or that form. Another negative uh, that happened at the same youth camp was from a young girl who was about 13 the first time she came to youth camp, and she wouldn't look anybody in the eyes. Um, she, she wore a, a big, thick black hoodie, hood all the way up, and she just she would stand like this. She wouldn't look any male in the eyes. Uh, if a male walked in the room, she would cower down. And, uh, you know, we're talking about youth camp in Montana in the summer. It's hot, and she'd just be, she would not come out of the hoodie. Even during worship at, at camp, she'd just have her arms locked like this. And so we, again, um, dug in a little bit and found out her story. And right before she had come to camp, she had been raped repeatedly by her family. And uh, literally, the next day was put on a bus to go to camp. And she knew what she was going to walk back into. And it, it, it sickens me to say this, but she did walk directly back in that same situation where the same thing happened to her again. These are things that I, I, I struggle with. These are things that don't make sense to me. These are things that, when I look at the goodness of God, I have a hard time sometimes reconciling the evil in the world with the goodness of God. But I'm telling you this not, not to, to glorify sin or glorify evil, but to explain to you my why. Another reason for my why is that Jessica and I took in these two children, um, these two brothers, and they were three and four, and uh, I don't know if, if any of you have been foster parents before, but when they bring a foster child to you, you sign your name to a piece of paper, and that's it. It's done. You don't know anything about anything. And uh, so they asked if they could go outside and play, and we said, sure, and Jessica, I'm sure you remember this. We called them in hours later, like, come on, it's time to eat, and they threw the biggest fits. And of course, me being a guy, I'm like, we're never going back outside again if they, you know. I mean, literally, we had to drag them into the house to get them into the house, and finally, this, and this happened so many times, and finally, Jessica reached out to the social worker and said, what, what is going on? And lo and behold, they had had an older sister that was born, and she was outside playing one day and was hit by a car and killed. And so her parents literally, their parents, did not let these two children out of the house ever. They had never been outside. Nobody even knew they existed. Nobody. And that's why they wanted to play outside so much, because they had never been outside. I take being outside for granted. I take being outside. If I want to go outside, I can go outside. If I want to go outside and play, um, I grew up outside. So, so I can't fathom what it's like to... And never be outside. We, we put a birthday present down in, in front of the youngest, and it was this beautiful uh, box that Jessica had wrapped, and he, his eyes lit up. He said, it's beautiful. And he was content with the box. He'd never had a present before. He didn't know you're supposed to unwrap it. Uh, he couldn't understand why we would take a beautiful wrapped box and rip the paper to get to what was inside. Um, that's one of my whys. We took in a, a four-year-old boy that at four years of age, was diagnosed with PTSD. 
four years of age. The same diagnosis that, that those that have seen combat, that those that are veterans receive, this child received at four years old. And so I, I, I could go on and on. I could, I could talk about all the negatives. But I, I said that so that you can understand a little bit about where I come from. I, I haven't seen the most evil in the world. And I haven't seen the worst evil in the world. But I've lived my life in a, in a way that is slightly different where I've seen the evil in myself and I've seen the evil in other people. And I've seen what it can do. Uh, if you would like to experience that, go live on the reservation for a couple years. And it will widen your eyes to, to all sorts of things that are going on. But that's not the end of the story. The, the good news is that little girl that was sold for meth, she was adopted by a couple that loved her fiercely with the love of Christ. She came to know Christ and accept the love of her Heavenly Father. The, the young lady that, uh, whose family had done that to her right before she came to camp, the last night of camp, her arms were as high as she could get them. Tears streaming down her face. Her hood was off. It, it was, I honestly think back to that time, quite a bit, I believe you were there. Were you there for that? Not you, Gun. Um, but it was honestly, you know, I think about the power of praise, and we can preach about it, and we can talk about it, but I've seen it. I've seen what God can do to somebody that has just been through hell and is going back to hell. I'm telling you, arms as wide as she could get them. It was the most beautiful picture I've ever seen of the freedom of Christ. Uh, the, those, those young boys, they learned how to live a somewhat normal lifestyle, and they were introduced to Jesus, and they no longer had to live in, in the, the fear of not being allowed to go outside. The, the young man with PS, or PTSD, faithfully serving the Lord, on fire for God. I mean, his spirit is, is a flame, and he feels a call to ministry. And so those are my wives, because I've seen a lot of, of things I've never wanted to see. I've gone through a lot of things I've never wanted to go through, not even for myself, for other people. But I've seen what God can do in the midst of horrible circumstances and horrible situations. And so my why is, is Jesus, plain and simple. Because when I wasn't looking for him, I, I'm telling you, I had time after time after time sitting in church, hearing my dad faithfully share the gospel of Jesus Christ in a biblical way, empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to accept Christ, and I, I never did. It was a time I wasn't even looking for him that he found me and saved me. Ezekiel 36, 26-27 says the following. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Galatians 2.20, my, my, one of my favorite verses of all time, says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My why is Jesus, plain and simple. But my why is not just for me. It's for other people, and I want to explain that for a minute. In Acts 17, 24 through 28, the first part of that verse, we read a beautiful passage of Scripture. It says, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hopes that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. 
For in him we live and move and have our being. My why is Jesus, okay? But Jesus knows how to make my why not about me, but about him. I was born where I was to the parents I was born to at the time that I was born, and I grew up where I grew up, and I went to school where I went to school, and I grew up in the town I grew up in, and I, I uh, had the same classmates pretty much all my life. Um, I worked the jobs that I worked. I had the cars that I had. I lived in the houses that I lived in. I worked the jobs that I, I worked. I did all these things so that at the exact moment I needed to, I could come into contact with Jesus Christ, who would save me and set me free from everything I, that I was involved in, who would put his spirit in me and who would take and, and, and then cause me to live where I live, to work where I worked, to, to be involved in the stories mentioned above, as well as many others, to move to a reservation, to live in the middle of the main town on that reservation, uh, to become a foster parent, to marry Jessica, to move back to Four Winds, to become a pastor at Big Timber, to come over here and pastor this church, to meet all of you, to enter into your stories for the glory of God and for his express purposes in my life and in your life. Nothing of my life is an accident. And so that's what I want us to understand today is that if nothing in my life is an accident, nothing in your life is an accident. Everything you've been through, everything you've gone through, the jobs that, that you thought you just picked at random, the, the cars that you thought you picked, the house that you thought you just fit you and your family, all of those things are not accidents. Your why is just like mine. If you know Jesus, your why is Jesus, plain and simple. But working that out is the key to reaching those around you and, and to obeying the call of God in your life. Not everybody is called to get up behind this pulpit and preach. But I need you to understand that you all have a why, and that why is Jesus, and that why is to glorify the Lord. You may not be called to ministry, but you honor, or you are called to bring glory and honor to the Lord. You, you have the job you have because the Lord has allowed you to have that job. Glorify Him in it. You have the paycheck that you have because the Lord has allowed you to have that paycheck. Glorify Him in it. You have the house you have because the Lord allowed you to have that house. Glorify Him in it. You have the marriage that you have because God allowed you to have the marriage that you have. Glorify Him in it. You have the children that you have because the Lord allowed you to have the children that you have. Glorify Him in raising them. You have the retirement you have because the Lord allowed you the ability to work for that retirement. Glorify Him in that retirement. You have the church you have, beautiful church, because the Lord has allowed you to have the church you have. Glorify Him in it. You have the life that you have because the Lord has allowed you to have that life. Glorify Him through it. The, the why is Jesus, but the outworking of that why is, is God's express purpose in us for His ultimate glory and to His glory alone. I, I get asked a lot, why I preach the way that I do. That's said in two forms. One is, like, why do you preach the way you do? The other one is, why are you, like, like, why are you the way that you are? Both answers are the same. Uh, God. I, I, I've seen scars and wounds and bruises and beatings of many of the children that I've had in my life. I preach the way I do because I, I don't want them to think that that's how they have to grow up. I preach the way that I do because I know what it's like to sit in church and not be moved and to take for granted every breath that I have, to take for granted that I will go home and nothing's ever going to happen, to take for granted that I will always have tomorrow to turn to the Lord. God saved me on my last tomorrow. That's it. And so I, I, I don't 
want people to be able to sit in a church building uh, and, and pretend to be holy and righteous and redeemed and, and remain completely unchanged with no fruit to bear. And I'm not saying that about anybody here. I'm saying I, I don't ever know who's going to walk through these doors. I don't know personal stories. I don't know where people come from. So I preach the way that I do because I don't want anybody that lives a life that has a false pretense of faith to feel comfortable and go home justified in that false pretense. I am the way that I am, good or bad. I, I live the way that I live. I preach the way that I preach because I've, I've seen too much evil in this world to pretend like it doesn't exist and to pretend like it's not close to our hearts at all times. But I've also seen the power of God. What he's done time and time again. Jessica didn't, didn't read this part of it, but there, there was 40 kids at camp. So those numbers aren't in, in 400 kids. It's with 40 kids. Those are really awesome numbers. God did a really good thing in Montana camp, and I expect him to do a, a greater thing in North Dakota camp. When you think about your why, it either winds up pointing to God or pointing to yourself. There's, there's only two options. Uh, on this weekend, as we celebrate our freedom, think about why you live in America. Because Scripture says that God determines where you live. He determines the time you're born. He determines the, basically how far you can travel in your life, the, the, the realm of, of influence you're going to have. And so think about those whys. Remember why you live where you live. Remember why you have the friends that you have. Remember why you've done what you've done, because God is behind it all. It's been said this way, that history is really his story. And so when you take that and, and you understand that, it's not by accident that you're at Beulah. It's not by accident that you're married to who you're married to. It's not by accident that you come to this church. God has worked in you and through you and sometimes even against you to get you where he needs you to get. So find your why. And when you find your why, that will lead to an understanding of what you are then supposed to do. I don't think there's ever going to be a time in my life where if I, if I can help some children, I'm going to say, no, I'm, I'm good, thanks. I don't ever think it's going to be me. I don't ever think, I may not be in pastoral ministry all my life, I don't know. But there's never going to be a time in my life where I'm not burning with a passion to try and help people grow in their relationship with the Lord. Whether it be a conversation in a restaurant, whether it be behind a pulpit preaching, I don't know. We live in a culture, and Pastor Brian said it earlier, he's not going to get political and I'm not going to get political. But that doesn't mean we need to stick our heads in the sand either. So we live in a culture that is taking away people's whys. Who your parents are doesn't matter. Where you're born doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter. All these things don't matter. The jobs you have don't matter. Uh, the sex that you're, you were born does not matter. They're, they're turning a, a why from God into a you define. You don't even ask why. You just do whatever you want to do. How long can that culture last? Honestly speaking. If everybody is out for themselves, how long can that culture last? Not long. And so this push for my part, to find your why is not just a, a, a philosophical question because I, I want us to go home and really ponder the meaning of life. 
as a Christian, we should be doing that on a regular basis. But the push for me on, on finding your why is so that you can stand strong in a culture that is constantly taking away everything, that is working as hard as it can to erode the foundations of faith, family, and loving other people. That is instead trying to implement a foundation of love yourself no matter who it hurts and no matter what it costs. And that's wrong. And so this, this finding your why, I pray that as you go home and as you, you celebrate uh, 4th of July with your, your family, with your friends, with your loved ones, and, and you think back on the freedom that you have and the price that it took for us to have the freedoms that we have, that you would take it a step further. Because I, I love being an American. I love living in America. I, I'm not... I'm not anti-American, I'm not anything like that. But I love even more being a Christian. And I love the freedom that Christ has given me to not be bound by those things. I love the fact that the very one that gave his life for me has put his life in me. And that it is him that is working in me his will, for his glory, for his purpose. Philippians 2, 12-13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. If you've been saved and you've been content just to leave it there, you're missing out on what it means to be saved. There is a whole life to come after salvation. In our, our men's Bible study book, uh, R.C. Sproul says, salvation is not the end, it's the beginning. It's the start of your new life. And so I don't, I don't care what age you are, I don't care what you've walked through in life, I don't care how worthless you think you are, I don't care how low, low your self-esteem might be, I don't care if you blush when you get up to stand in front of people. When I gave my speech for sixth grade English, my face was as red as my shirt. I stuttered and stammered, and I barely passed that speech. I didn't care. My biggest argument of him calling me to be a pastor is I don't like to talk in front of people. I hate it. I still hate it. But I love him more than, than that. And so when you find your why, and your why comes to be Jesus Christ, church, there would be nothing that would make your Lord happier than watching his children fulfill his purposes for their life. Amen? Would you stand with me today, please? Father, as we go into this weekend, Father, this, this 4th of July celebration weekend, I pray, God, that we would be reminded and be thankful for where we live. But, God, that we would understand that it came at a price. This freedom always does. But I pray, God, that we would understand that the price for our freedom was your son. And Jesus, I thank you so much that you walked that cross willingly, that you didn't have to be coerced, that you faithfully fulfilled the will of your Father even unto death, and that by your death we live. I pray, God, for each and every person here that we would find our wise. Jesus, that they would ultimately be you. But I pray that as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that we would know that it is you that, that both wills and works for your good pleasure in our lives. 
that we would submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we would honor you by God realizing that our salvation was never meant to be just kept to ourselves, that there is a whole life to live after salvation, and that God, each and every person in this room can be used by you for your glory and for your honor. You know all their weaknesses, you know all their faults, and yet you choose to use them still. But God, may your people leave today pondering in their hearts what it means to be saved, excited that you have chosen them, that you have called them, that you have equipped them, and that you will empower them to do what you have called them to do. And God, I pray that as we ponder these things, as we think about these things, God, that we would become ever more faithful to the call of God in our lives. That we would walk steps of obedience so that each and every person here on that final day can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. God, keep your hand upon all of us as we leave. God, for those that might travel yet, place your hand upon them. God, for those that are traveling now, bring them back home safely. Thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming. Have a blessed uh, 4th of July weekend. You can be dismissed.